podcast Thanksgiving on this week's Always Listening. Welcome to Always Listening. We are your hosts. I'm Joel. I'm Jay. Do you want to build a snowman? Do you want to build a snowman? It doesn't have to be a snowman. Okay, no, bye. No, it has, has to be a snowman. It has to be a snowman? It has to be hey, a snowman. I, I've heard, uh, uh, congratulations, Jay. You uh, are a, a better father than I. You took your younglings to see Frozen 2. Uh, I'm still pretending that it's not out in our region yet. That's what they're, they're like, Dad, can we go see Frozen? I'm like, it's not out yet. It's not at the movie theaters yet. They're like, are you sure? I'm like, wow. yeah, no, it's not. It's not out yet. <laughs> Your kids are apparently still young enough where you could pull that trick off. My kids are totally tapped in, man. They are they're in the matrix. They 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 know stuff before I know it sometimes. It's kind of freaky, actually. They're like, Dad, uh, I got the tickets on Fandango, man. We gotta go. Come on. Yeah, yeah. It's it's sort of like, dude. Uh, trust me, my son is like, Dad, have we bought our tickets for Star Wars yet? I was like, no. He's like, we got to do that, Dad, you know. I was like, listen, kid, if we haven't bought them now and we keep going on and we see that the seats are still open, we're going to be perfectly fine going on that Friday. We'll be okay. Oh, speaking of, Jay, the uh, there there was a great – I've been avoiding trailers now. I'm not watching trailers anymore for The Rise of Skywalker. I don't, I don't want to know anything else about the plot. But – uh, the the official Star Wars put out a I'm trying to think what they described it. It's like the pop cultural impact of Star Wars is is like what they were just you know that's how they tweeted it something like that and it was like two or three minutes long. Uh, I think I saw it in my timeline because Kevin Smith shared it and he was talking about he was he was doing fine until the image of uh blunt man lighting up his blunt saber which is in it like halfway through it he said I started I bawled like a baby after that point you know uh but it's so cool they show all these clips from newscasts throughout the years of of different journalists saying Star Wars uh you know all over the world people saying it really there's an interesting segment where you see several of the stars of the movie saying a line in another language where they're doing like global press, you know, or something like that. That's kind of cool. Um, anyway, I admit I got a little misty eyed at the end of it. It's interesting. You know, we talked about the Mandalorian last week. And so like star Wars, we know it's not over. It's, it's about to have a whole new rebirth in fact. And yet this is the end of something. And it's interesting that the Disney corporation is, you know, noticing that and and acknowledging that, and we're all getting to have this big nostalgic moment. Well, it, it's funny, like the impact of Star Wars. It's funny that you mentioned that because on the last episode of The Walking Dead, their uh, mid season finale, I, I love how shows now have mid season finales and then mid season premieres. Like, dude, stop being lazy. Just give me all my shows weekly. There's no reason to take three months off at this point. Like, come on. Driving me nuts with this. You can't charge advertisers in January and December. That's baloney. Anyway, uh, the the in there's a there's a cremation scene uh, in, in the mid season finale, uh, and of course it's The Walking Dead, so there's no technology or anything. So it's out in the open and big pile of sticks. And the first thing I thought of when I saw it was Vader, and then. I'm watching The Talking Dead, and Chris Hardwick goes, by the way, I need somebody to construct for me the force ghost of this character with Yoda and Anakin, (laughs) and then I will repost it on Twitter. Uh, And I was just sort of like, it's funny because, you know, and I thought this watching Game of Thrones, there's that massive cremation scene (laughs) at Game of Thrones, and I'm sort of like, you know, uh, where's Vader? <laughs> Vader's got to be in that pile somewhere. You know, it's just little things like that that don't even necessarily have a huge impact, but you immediately think, oh, I remember that scene. There's a line from Warner Herzog in this video that I'm talking about where he's doing some press for The Mandalorian, I think, and he talks about the fact that you know, it is not very often in the history of human culture that we create a mythology. 
Mm. And it's even rarer that you get to be part of creating that mythology. Um, and that is exactly what these actors are experiencing. You know, I looked at the the final shot of that video is the new cast, basically Ray and Finn and Poe and, and BB-8. And I think there's maybe C-3PO even over their shoulder or no, it's, it's Chewie. Chewie's over Chewy. there, over one of their shoulders. Um, but uh, like, we will see this cast again in 20 years or so probably in another yep. set of movies when they're all grown up and <clears throat> and it's their children and the next generation you know anyway it's it's interesting to watch that happen in real time um i'm excited to be a part of all of that um i'm excited to be a part of a thriving medium uh, and a thriving industry in the podcast world. That's what we're going to talk about today, Jay. Uh, we got a little bit of podcast Thanksgiving. That's how we're going to round out the show. Um, but first of all, you teased last week. Um, our mm. first big story today is about Spotify and their new podcast discovery tool. Um, I do not use Spotify at all other than occasionally I will try to find a song there and then I remember I don't pay for it. So I have to do that shuffle thing when I look up a song. And so I don't do that. Mm. Uh, or when I am setting up my client shows or my own new podcasts, I go through Spotify and I do all my checks to make sure the show gets there. Right. And is working properly. And then every now and again, I'll check in and make sure the latest episodes are there, but I don't use it to listen to, to podcasts ever. Um, and because of that, None of these tools that they've offered or or begun to you know spread around are really going to help me. I love the idea of this. This is similar in some ways to what I talked about last week with with television, the Apple TV app, and how it tells me here's the shows you're watching and here's the next episode in each of those shows, kind of thing. Gives you an option of several things to start with, and and then just takes you off and and sends you to the next one. Um, Jay, you've tried it. You're trying to use it some. How is this working for you, and, and what is this supposed to work like? So I, like you, uh, don't really – I don't use my phone to listen to podcasts. I'm still old school. I'm using my my iPod. Uh, I know you newbies to podcasting are like, what's an iPod? Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's what we used to use, uh, and I still use it, and I still love it, and I still plan on using it. My whole thing has always been I don't understand how people keep their battery life on their phones when listening to podcasts. It's that's the one thing I can't stand. When my when my phone shows like 80% battery left, I freak out. But in any case, uh I do use Spotify to promote my podcast unless I listen to my podcast via Spotify um very sparingly. Uh and, and so I was like, "Oh, Look at this, your daily podcast, this new thing that's supposed to tell me other shows that I might be interested in. Well, now, understanding that I've only used Spotify to listen to my own podcast, which is a NFL sports talk show. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's titled uh, Next Fan Up NFL News and Reaction. That's That's the title of the podcast that I'm listening to. This is what your daily podcast has suggested to me. Uh the week nine super fan recap from my own show, which was back on November 4th. Uh, today is uh, the the date of the recording of this podcast is November 26th. So that's a little dated. That, that doesn't seem really good. Uh, the Misfits podcast episode zero. Okay, well, that's nice. It's giving me a new podcast. It's giving me their episode zero, so hopefully I'm going to learn about what this podcast is about. I did a little bit of research. It's a comedy podcast. Uh, I don't understand quite how the Misfits comedy podcast fits with NFL news and reactions, but okay, whatever. It's giving me something brand new to listen to, and it's giving me episode zero to listen to maybe get me involved in listening to that. The next episode, uh, the next podcast it recommends to me is Coming Soon more perfect. And this is from Radiolab. Well, now I know I've told you, Joel, that I believe Radiolab is the most perfect podcast in the world. Come at me. I will fight you uh, because you're wrong if you think another podcast is different. Uh, but I certainly haven't listened to Radiolab on Spotify. And I certainly don't have anything with my own podcast that would be related to Radiolab. But again, the coming soon part, this is a trailer, so it's again giving me something to listen to to bring me into this particular podcast. It's not starting me off with just 
a random episode. Whereas unlike this next recommendation, Dan Carlin's Hardcore History, show 64, Supernova in the East, uh, which is about Japan's uh, rising sun uh, going supernova. So I'm guessing this is about World War II or just before World War II. Yeah, the build up to World War II. I have absolutely no idea what this has to do with, with the NFL and football. Yeah, so it sounds to me like you're just not feeding it enough data. It's the same reason why I didn't even pull up my recommendations because I know I'm not feeding it enough data. The article that's linked in the show notes is from Rain News, and uh, they say the product appears across the board for Spotify users for anyone who has listened to at least four podcast episodes in the last 90 days. And I'm betting, Jay, you don't have to listen to very much of each episode pass that trigger right the the right you know the it's just like on youtube if you listen to a minute of or if you watch a minute of a video i think it counts as a as one view and then you get the statistics on how much of the video you viewed you know um here's my thing the, the rain news test app they say uh in in their testing they followed a handful of shows and then they interacted with for a while all three buckets of of the podcast app the episodes section the download section and the shows section and after doing that they got a your daily podcast list which was 18 hours and 48 minutes worth of content it started with 10 episodes the first 10 episodes in the list were from the episodes that they're currently subscribed to it's basically a duplication of their episodes list and mm-hmm. but if they scrolled past that after that, the algorithm had kicked in, and they had a handful of shows. Uh, there was 10 episodes, in fact, that were not shows that they subscribed to. It was based on the relationship and affinities within the podcast ecosystem. And they said some of it was like what the show is. Some of it seemed to be what other people who listen to these shows listen to. So it's a little bit of both in that mix of what makes something show up in the algorithm. That's probably the case with yours. The next fan, the, your, your recommendation, since you're not doing much listening except for Next Fan Up, they probably come from other listeners to Next Fan Up in Spotify. What podcasts are they listening to? But even Which would still, make sense why they're just popular podcasts, right? But even still, I would suspect there's going to be more sports podcasts involved here. So I haven't mentioned a sports podcast. The next one is the Daily. That's not sports, and this particular episode is about Trump and the U- Ukraine. Uh, so I have no desire to listen to that whatsoever. Uh, the last one that it gave me is Pod Save America, all about the Iowa caucuses. Their mini series on the Iowa caucuses, and by the way, episode two. So it didn't even start me at Iowa episode one, jumps right into their miniseries. So it's right in the middle of the miniseries. We're going to talk about that a little bit later on in the show. Uh, and then the one podcast it does give me that is sports-ish is The Journal from The Wall Street Journal, uh, which is listed under sports. Uh, this one is called Rise and Revolt at Renaissance Part 1. Uh, the description is, in the 1970s, Jim Simmons left academia to pursue a wild idea that he could beat the market using math i I don't i i I, again i would suspect that i would get more sports because all i've listened to is a sports podcast at least at least a few more sports recommendations than than what i've been given here and again i have no idea why it's decided uh, the Misfits, who are a comedy podcast, uh, they're foreign, too. I I recognize, I don't know if they're Australian or English or Scottish or whatever, but they're definitely not, they, they don't have American accents. Gotcha. Um, and again, Radiolab, I have no idea what Radiolab has to do with sports, but it's just, to me, the, the, the recommendations are confusing. I will... I will totally believe in this. Again, we've mentioned before, there isn't a discovery problem in podcasting. There's a discovery of your podcast problem Mm. in podcasting. And I will believe in this particular tool when I see more independent podcasts getting recommended, when I see smaller podcasts get recommended, not larger podcasts. Even something like the footballers, right? Like you're, so you you are following Next Fan Up. Why not get recommended the footballers show, which is a uber popular sports show in a similar vein to your own? Like it's, but again, that's an independent. But it's never gonna, it never. I never see that come up in any recommendation. Something from the Ringer, 
I mean, I, yeah. I'm surprised I didn't get anything from The Ringer. ESPN is on Spotify. I'm surprised I didn't get any ESPN. Because in my show description, it does mention Pod Vader, former ESPN producer. I would suspect that I would have gotten at least one ESPN recommendation in there. It's it's very odd. I don't know how it's being generated, but I can tell you right now, and even if I haven't provided them with enough data, that whatever it is they're doing ain't perfect. And so I guess we the, shouldn't expect it to be perfect since it well, just Well, no, it's it's first out of the it's you know, it's right out of the gate. They're just starting with this initiative. But the the other thing is the, the Rain News um sort of uh summary, they're they're you know, takeaway from their study of this is that this is a better tool for discovering Spotify as a podcast platform than it is for discovering any one podcast. And I think that's exactly what it was built to do. Uh, we've talked, Jay, before about the fact that Spotify is not a power podcast listener app. That's not, if you're already ingrained into podcast listening, there is no reason to move over to Spotify for your podcast listening other than for shows that are exclusively there, right? So this is not a tool, and I don't think we should expect any tools really coming from Spotify to work very well for power podcast listeners like you or me. I just I think it's going to be all about getting people into podcasts, period. Well, and That's again, what they're trying to do. Again, we seem to understand from the research that Edison has shared Spotify is growing fast, and they're growing fast with new users, younger mm. users. And so while it may not be built for power podcast users of the past, it could be something that works well for power podcast users of the future. Uh, I just wonder, again, uh, where is the, as, as Tom Webster has said, where is the crap? Where is the highly produced crap? Uh, in the recommendation list. It's not there. And if all we're going to do is recommend the most popular shows that exist in podcasting, again, it comes down to understanding the audience and what they really, really want. What they really, really want. What they really, really want. Yeah, I mean, that's a perfect example, right? Think about it. Spice Girls are one of the most popular bands of all time. No one's going to sit there and say they were wonderful musicians. Right? Right, probably, and, and I don't think anyone's, and I don't think anyone at this particular point in time would say, you know what, you really need to listen to, you really need to go listen to some Spice Girls. But at one point, the Spice Girls were the most popular band on the planet. Just saying, that's true. That's very true. So, let's move to our next story here, Jay. This this is uh, interesting. It comes from it comes to us from Hot Pod, uh, but Hot Pod shares an article from TechCrunch, which we've got linked in the show notes here. The headline: The top one percent of app store publishers drive eighty percent of new downloads. Jay, why are we a podcasting show talking about the app store and app downloads? Because the second line to that headline from Nick Qua is sounds familiar, eh? Yeah. And, and and Nick is is making the correlation of the top one percent of podcast publishers drive eighty percent of new downloads. I've I've heard that number before, uh, of or a very similar type number. And the math exists. Like somebody could actually go out and do this and actually point out exactly how true this is. We often will hear uh Rob Walsh at Libsyn, and I believe they just they have a new episode of the feed. I haven't listened to it, uh, probably with some brand new numbers. But we know that the usually if you have thirty thousand plus ep- uh, downloads per episode, you're in the top two percent of all podcasters. Well, you do the quick math. If you use the seven hundred fifty thousand, that's the total number of podcasts available in the Apple Podcast app or thereabouts, approximately. Two uh, percent of that is fifteen thousand podcasts. Okay, uh, if you want to use the what's an active podcast and uh, Daniel J. Lewis has a very good definition of what he qualifies as an act, quote unquote, active podcast, uh, which is somewhere right around 250,000 uh, podcasts. So if you use 2% of that, that's 5,000 podcasts. By the way, I just want that to sink in 5,000 podcasters. That's it 
are getting 30,000 plus downloads per episode. Let that num let that number please sink in as you compete against the 750,000 that exist in the Apple Podcast app. There might only be 5,000 of them that are getting more than 30,000 plus downloads. I just want that number to sink in. Anyway, Somebody who's smarter than me can start doing all this math. According to Edison Research, we know that 90 million people have claimed to listen to a podcast in the last month. We know that 62 million people uh, listen to podcasts weekly, and of those weekly podcast listen of those weekly podcast listeners, they average seven podcasts per week. Seven podcasts times 62 million equals 430 million downloads per week. Uh, if you're part of the 90 million that claim you listen to a podcast per month, you can assume that you're not listening weekly. So I'm only going to add 30 million more to that particular number. So you're at 464 million downloads. But you still got to add three more weeks, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, the point is, is it's pretty darn close. If you start figuring all this out, even if you use the 30,000 number, and we know that the number can be a lot more. We know that the Joe Rogan podcast, for instance, has got a lot more than 30,000 per episode. Uh, you use 30,000 and you multiply that by 5,000, you get up to 150 million downloads. You take the 30,000, you multiply that by the 15,000 number, which is 2% of 750. That's 450 million downloads. Oh, 450 million. Didn't I just tell you that 460 million is the monthly? <clears throat> So you can see, uh, like I said, somebody who can do math better than I can can maybe make the equation work better and, and give me the exact numbers. But just based on that simple math, you can already see that it's pretty darn close. The top 2% of all podcasters equal almost 80% of all downloads. You know, this this reminds me of the stat that I hear every few quarters or at least every year or so. Uh, some some version of, you know, Apple accounts for 80% of the profit in the smartphone industry. Samsung accounts for 18% of the profit in the smartphone industry. And the entire rest of the smartphone industry accounts for 2% of the profit. And if you actually look the averages say that most companies in the smart the vast majority of the companies in the smartphone industry lose money every year on mobile on their mobile business uh because apple and samsung are absorbing all the profits this it happens in other industries too the thing that strikes me as i look at this specifically for the app store and for podcasting taking it back to us specifically i think to myself Boy, I'm glad there aren't two separate podcast lists. Boy, I'm glad there aren't two separate app stores. The app store that I, as the little independent developer who makes a flashlight app or a solitaire app or, you know, whatever, that's the same app store that Disney Plus and Netflix and Facebook go into. And when someone goes to the app store to find Netflix or Disney Plus or Facebook or whatever it might be that they're looking for, they might find my app as well. And the same thing goes for podcasts, right? When you load up the podcast app and you go into the directory to search for This American Life or to search for baseball or football or performing arts or, you know, personal journals or Watchmen, I have just as good an opportunity of showing up with my show about the Watchmen TV series or The Mandalorian or Michael Jordan as the NBA official podcast does realistically now will they will these big corporations who have marketing budgets uh and production teams will they get more downloads than i do yes on the whole but my organization or my effort doesn't need as large a support as theirs does to continue to strive uh, thrive and survive you know what i'm saying so again this is an example of 
we should be glad there's not a true stratification of the podcast industry. We talk about that. We, we, are we going to get there someday where it's the pro podcasts over here and the indies over here? And this is another example of, yes, this might seem daunting, but I actually look at this as hopeful. Look at us being able to get into the same marketplace as these big dogs. Listen, the phrase, the cream always rises to the top. <laughs> the cream rises to the top. <laughs> Cup of coffee. This <laughs> Elizabeth. Uh I don't necessarily believe that with podcasting. I believe that I believe that if if you have good cream, uh it's definitely more noticeable. Uh but I believe that there is a combination of your content and the marketing that you do that will provide you with a larger audience. I, at this point, it seems pretty incredible. When anybody launches a new show and their goal is to obtain a mass audience, you either have to wait 10 years, like Mark Marin and Joe Rogan and the like, but those people even came with a built-in audience when they first launched, or you're launching from an existing platform that has a ginormous built-in audience, such as an ESPN, an NPR, um, you name it. It's it, The list will continue. When you look at those top publishers, uh, the iHeartRadios, uh, Will Ferrell's, uh, again, you look at the top of the charts and you're going to be looking at all of these publishers. You're not going to find an independent. When you look at the PodTrack chart, and you look for an independent show, uh, the first one that you can legitimately say is independent and came from nowhere is Barstool. I mean, beyond that, I don't know who else on that on that top 10 you could consider as an independent publisher. Barstool, to me, is the only independent source that has sort of grown. And when you're looking, and when you're looking for, you know, really well done crap. Uh, look no further than Barstool, my friends. I mean, I, to each their own. But Barstool's content is not for me. Uh, and I'm the target audience for them. So take that with your grain of salt. Yeah, I. this is not something that I'm worried about, honestly, Jay. I mean, I I, I see it. But I do. I look at it as an as an opportunity. It's one of the reasons why I'm going to be an advocate in the future. If if that question ever arises for a for a separation of the indies and the pros, I'm going to say no to that. I don't want that to happen. I like the fact that when someone searches for WTF, one of the things that comes up in that search is always listening to WTF with Mark Marin. You know why? Because I've been doing this a long time. We've done a lot of episodes and the SEO on my titles is pretty good. Uh, and so that does show up for listeners. Uh, and, and I still get a lot of traction on those old episodes. Um, I think there's something to be said for being in the same marketplace. I really do. And I think that that, uh, I think that that is one of the things to be thankful for about our industry. I want it to continue. Um, Let's be thankful for another thing, Jay, our sponsor for this episode and Always actually every episode uh, between here and the new year, uh, the Sleep With Me podcast, sleepwithmepodcast.com. The link is in the show notes, of course, and that is hosted by Andrew Ackerman. But Drew doesn't want us to talk about his show. He doesn't want us to talk about him. He wants I would us prefer to, you, to. He wants us to tell you about Pogs. Pogs are, of course, the milk cap game that started in Hawaii and California, spread across the nation in the 80s and the 90s. And uh, it was a fad that I myself, Baby Joel, was caught up in wholeheartedly. I have been showcasing several of my Pog collection. I've got a binder still down, downstairs uh, in my bedroom, saved from my childhood. And I've been showing you some of the Pogs, telling some of those stories as we go. Uh, Jay, I mentioned earlier, and actually the article from um, uh, Rain, uh, or excuse me, from TechCrunch talked about uh, one of the comments there was, you know, the top 1% of athletes only get to play professional sports. Boo-hoo. <laughs> Should I get thrown in with them too? Uh, well, this guy was the top 1% of the top 1%. Widely considered to be, if not the greatest basketball player of all time, at least one of the greatest, definitely in the top five, Michael Jordan. And I love 
Look, man, like of all the posterizations of, of Michael over the years, you know, there's the switch hand uh, uh, layup yeah. against the Lakers. He had a ton of iconic dunks. There's the shrug after the multiple three-pointers against the Jazz. Uh, the shrug, I think, is probably my favorite iconic image of Michael. I love that moment where even he doesn't he, – he's like, I don't know. I don't know where it comes from. I'm glad it's here for right now, you know. But this pog, I think, might be – the most perfect image of Michael Jordan to represent the entirety of his career ever. It First of all, it is when he was wearing the 23 again. This is in his second run as a bull, but it was after he went back to the number 23. I've got a pog actually with him as 45 uh, when he changed his number when he first came back. But this is him directing traffic. He wasn't the point guard, obviously. He was a shooting guard, but he so often ran the offense, and he always commanded the team. Phil Jackson, of course, is a great coach and and recognized as such. Now a pretty good uh, um, uh, executive, I think, generally in the NBA, too. But Michael was as much of an authority on the court as Phil was on the sideline. And in this image, the way his brows are furrowed, the way he is so stiffly pointing in that direction, and you know it went just like that. Get over there! <laughs> and probably came with some shitting too, excuse me, some crap Whoa. talking too to his opponent. I mean, to his uh, to his teammate. Um, you know, he was a he was a hard guy to get along with. I think we've seen that even more since his retirement. He's probably a hard guy to get along with in his real life too. But on the court, he was undisputably one of the greatest of all time. And I love this sort of bossy Michael <laughs> as he's directing traffic, setting up the offense. 14 seconds left on the play clock. I dig it. Uh, that is my pog for this week. You can check out. There's a link in the show notes, by the way. If you're like, what the hell is a pog? Uh, there's a link for the strange history of pogs. We'll take you through the whole phenomenon. Kind of a cool uh, rabbit hole to jump down sometime. Uh, thanks to Drew for Your definition of the show. cool really needs to be explored <laughs> whatever man i like i like uh i like anything that is uh interesting and i like new information so I, there was a lot of stuff in there even though i was involved in that fad there was a lot of stuff in there that in that article that i didn't know about pog so uh go check that out if you're remotely interested um jay this is podcast thanksgiving but we've got some bad news <sighs> well it's not necessarily bad it's just it, 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 it. Disappointing? I don't even want to use the disappointing word. You know, it, it's one of those memes now in any movie when it's it's sort of, or a TV show, it's, it's been written about quite a bit. It's always been like, you know, I didn't worry about making mom and dad angry. What I worried about was making them disappointed. When mom and dad are disappointed in you, you know you really messed up. So I don't necessarily want to use the word disappointed either, but it's just something that, it, it's a shame, um... I guess this is another way to say disappointed. But ultimately, Edison Research, uh, you know I love them. Uh, their, their information that they've provided to the podcasting space for years, the infinite dial, uh, has been invaluable. Uh, you know, I don't think we could have grown as an industry without the resource of Edison Research and providing the numbers that we need to continue to grow as an industry and listen you can't fault them for this they need to make money too <laughs> like they can't just continue to make reports out of the goodness of their heart for the podcasting industry now a lot of their uh, research does get sponsored uh, so oftentimes we, uh, just a couple weeks ago there was the super listener research that was released that was sponsored by podcast one that's why that particular piece of research existed NPR uh, does a lot of sponsorship of what uh, Edison research does in their release of information but well they have a new product that's available on a quarterly basis it's called the podcast consumer quarterly report Unfortunately, this information will not be for you, Joel, uh, unless you happen to have $10,000 per quarter with a minimum four-quarter purchase. Uh, you will you can then get access to all of this great information. And, and the thing that really stinks about that is, of course, all the newsletters jumped on the press release that got thrown out there from Edison Research that reported some of their initial findings, such as the Joe Rogan experience is the leading podcast in terms of reach amongst weekly podcast consumers based on the research that 
Edison Research has done with the Podcast Consumer Quarterly Report. Uh, there are significant content consumption differences between iPhone and Android users. Again, not groundbreaking information. We kind of knew this, but now it is supported by actual research done by Edison Research with their quarterly report. Uh, it does mention that because there are these significant content consumption differences, uh, the top podcast charts derived exclusively from users of either uh, platform, whether it be iPhone or Android, is completely unrepresentative of the total listening behavior in the podcasting landscape. The other thing it mentions is while the study tracks the relative reach of the top podcast networks, I'm guessing those that pay for this particular report, and they did mention a number of the big publishers that are uh, already getting all of this information, 54% of weekly podcast consumers have listened to an unaffiliated independent podcast in the last week. So this goes back to what you were saying, Joel. It can't, even though the top 2% might be responsible for 80% of all the downloads, uh, there's still a huge faction of listening done for independent podcast publishers. Uh, and that's the type of information that we would want, but you're only going to get access to it on a quarterly basis at 40 grand a year. Yeah. So that, that, that's, that's just huge bummer. It's a huge bummer. And what it means is that the independent producers, the smaller networks, uh, I mean, I wonder if even can Max Fun afford that? You know, their ad agency, whoever whoever is their ad partner, uh, will probably have access to these numbers, and so maybe they'll get the information filtered down that way as part of their ad spend or, or ad partnership. But like independent producers, effectively, even large ones won't be able to foot forty grand out of the blue for extra info, like just. Nobody's got that extra cash. Here's a question, Joel. If we had a trade association, if we had an independent podcasting association or something like that, right? Would, would, would they be able to pony up the 40 grand and then give that information to everyone that's part it? of the trade association? My would guess is that? probably not, but this is exactly why a trade association would be in existence so that they could fund this particular quarterly report at whatever price is determined to be uh, a value to both sides. Right. So yeah, it's obviously important information for every podcaster to have Edison research. Can't continue to do this out of the kindness of their heart. They need to have some sort of, retribution for the work that they're doing they need to have some sort of compensation what is that number what does that what does that number equal and if there was a trade association they would be able to negotiate that with edison right. research and provide that information to the rest of the people right right in the meantime it's npr wondery warner media espn uh and then there's a few others that got named as consumers of this but it's not going to be us. So will the numbers that we get, first of all, the infinite dial will continue to be released to the public? Correct. That's, okay. That is once annually. And in that annual report, there will continue to be the basic podcast consumption stats that we had previously gotten as well, right? Correct. It's just the secondary report that we've gotten the last couple of years will now be paywalled. Correct. So it's bad news. It's not the worst of news. Um, but it, it is disappointing. I, I, I mean, it shows the continued growth and expansion of our industry though. And uh, it shows that there are big players in the space that this is a price point that they think they're going to be able to hit, uh, not from one or two people, but from a lot of people, Jay. Well, I mean, I named what four people already. So that's 160 K right off the bat for Edison research. Um, Somebody's got to pay Tom's salary. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I wish it could be me. It's just, it's not going to be me. Joel, we have uh, two more stories here, and I say we do one or the other. You, I agree. And I'll let you make the pick. Let's do, why don't we do too many messages? 
I like uh, that one. That's a good Coleman one. Insights here, which we we talked with or we talked about last week. As a matter of fact, um, they've got a great article out, and there's an image in this article. The link is in the show notes. Too many messages. It's our final story this week. Um, <laughs> this image is so perfect, and I guess I mean, look, if you don't have time to read the article, just go look at the image. As a matter of fact, I'm probably going to make this image the uh, <laughs> the image in our <laughs> blog post. It's a guy wearing a radio station T-shirt from Magic One Hundred One Point Seven, and it's got the you know the call sign there and the and the alternative um, uh, dial uh, number that you can put in as well. But then there are three messages below that: continuous light rock, home of John Carter in the morning, and the no repeat workday. All three of those messages are in different fonts, different colors, different size text, and they're all different than the logo as well. (laughs) Uh, The article goes into the point, why did we take this picture? This is an example of violating this too many messages rule. The shirt tries to tell you three different things at once about this radio station. They're continuous light rock, they're the home of John Carter in the morning, and they're the no repeat work day. Human beings cannot process that much information they won't we won't process that much information when we're given calls to action the broader point of this is that we're asking too much of our audience we're giving them too many different messages in our social media promotion in our calls to action in our shows etc etc but like i see people doing this all the time Jay, I, I told you before we started recording, this is so perfectly local radio. It is it is frighteningly hilarious to me. But it's also indie podcasters, too. Don't we do this? Find me oh, on yeah. Spot, Spotify and Apple Podcasts and subscribe to my newsletter and join me on Patreon. And don't forget to join our Facebook group where all the great conversation is happening. Listen, it's all about it's all about finding your brand and your message and what makes sense. And as this article points out, you should be finding one and do that to the utmost that you possibly can until you've perfected that one message until anytime anyone hears your name, they equate that one message to you, then move on to adding a second message. And then maybe uh, you can do that to a certain degree of success and perhaps add a third message. But even then, you're starting to get to that point of, too many messages. It's about embracing the idea that your brand means one thing. It doesn't mean multiple things. And despite the fact that you want it to mean multiple things, you have to come and embrace the one thing that it means the most and market that to the point that there's no denying that your brand means exactly that so that you can properly promote your podcast and social media in the real world. Uh, one of the things that I definitely wanted to talk about here, and we we talked about some ideas of how to market a show um, around Halloween, uh, how we mentioned you know, there's a perfect opportunity. You got people literally knocking on your door to get free candy, you know, throwing a little message about your podcast in there in the candy bag, um, you know, as as a great way of of marketing your show, wearing T-shirts like the radio station, but putting one message on that particular T-shirt. Uh, is a great way of marketing your show. Uh, we do this thing in our town. Uh, it's sort of like a celebration of all of the uh, restaurants that we have uh, in our town. And we close off Main Street and we walk around. But it's more than just the restaurants. Some of the local, the, some of the other local businesses get to set up little booths and market their services to to the residents. And you walk around and everybody's got a bowl of, of little bite-sized candies. Cause it's usually right around Halloween time too. Uh, and that bring that of course brings people to the booth and now you can sell them on whatever it is that you're doing as a company. And this year being an election year, a local election year, uh, one of the local politicians, uh, she, she had her car wrapped with, with her messaging vote for her, uh, she had the biggest signs out of any of the politicians in town, around town on people's yards and in certain areas where I guess you could pay to put uh, that particular political advertisement. And during this um, festival, she had a plane with the banner behind, vote for her. And I thought, that's great. 
I went up to, she happened to be a Republican candidate, and I went up to the Republican booth, and I said, listen, next election, I can save you a whole bunch of money on your advertising campaign. You want to know how you're going to bring people to your booth? Full-size candy bars. And by the way, this doesn't just go for politicians. This goes for everyone. If everybody else is doing small-size candy bars, you want to know what's going to make a huge impact? Are full-size candy bars. And we talk about this during Halloween. Who are the most popular houses? The ones that give out the full-size candy bars. You make a note. Hey, next Halloween, we got to make sure we come back to this house because they're giving out full-size candy bars. They're not giving out the little fun size because fun size ain't fun. They're giving out the big ones. Full-size candy bars. Full-size candy bars are the way to go. I'm telling you that this is a... You might look at it as being really expensive. It's cheap in comparison to buying a banner behind an airplane or wrapping your car in advertising messages. Get a full-size candy bar and put your podcast stamp right on it. Tom Webster has told me as a sports podcaster, I should be buying uh, urinal cakes and stamping urinal cakes with my podcast. And you know what? He's 100% right. I've done the pricing, though, and unfortunately, (laughs) it's still a little too rich for my blood. Now, I could do it on my own in my own local area. But I don't think that's necessarily going to drive the listeners up to my particular show. What I what I need to do is I need to get the guys that I have, my 32 co-hosts, to all buy in as well. Have them pay for the urinal cakes in their local areas. And now I've really got something going. But just me doing it by myself ain't going to be enough. I wonder if I wonder if you could do like what if you partnered with a national like the pilot stations? You know what I mean? Like, uh, so so you didn't do it everywhere, but you found you found one chain who you might could do urinal cakes with at, at a at a promotional price or whatever that would cover a large uh, geographical region. That's well, an that's where idea. that's where the, that's where the expense comes in. It's the shipping yeah. because because I could buy a stamp for myself and buy urinal cakes in bulk myself. And it's fairly inexpensive. I'm I'm talking like less than fifty bucks, type of expensive to make like a real mark in my area, and that'd be great. But then if I continue to buy the bulk, and I'm the only one that has the stamp, and now I've got to ship out the urinal yeah. cakes to all my different guys, that's where it gets expensive. So they all need to buy their own stamp. So that they and have the stamp. Distribution points. That's interesting. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. the, so this Coleman Insights article, you need to go check it out, not just for the image of the uh, the guy in the T-shirt, but also for the chart from the Link database. So th- they, yeah. they have research to back this up. The Millward Brown uh, Research uh, Group had a, um, a, a program called Link that they ran on their advertisers that tracked the effectiveness of messaging if you go from one message to two messages, three messages to four, even going from one message to two messages, the likelihood that that message could be actually communicated drops from 100% to 65% for each of your messages. But when you add in a third, Jay, the first one stays around 60, goes to 62% instead of 65. But the second and third message drop to 43% and 30%. You're effectively wasting you're wasting your opportunities. You're, you're, it's, a, it's a diminishing return by trying to incorporate more messaging. And here are the hard numbers to show you that. Figure out what it is that you want your audience to do. Now, the one thing that this article doesn't really specifically seem to go into, but I think is important for podcasters to think about, that one message will be different for where you're putting it. So what right. is the call to action that you put at the end of your episode? That's different than the call to action you do in your social media posts, right? Your call to action right. may be different on Twitter than it is on Facebook because of what you know about your audience in both of those places. One of the reasons why I've been so ver- fervent about when people ask, where do I send people to listen to my podcast and social media posts? Do I make one for Apple? Do I make one for Spotify? Do I make one for some of the other listening destinations that are out there? And I've always been a believer of, no, you send them to one destination, your website. Now, you're not telling your audience where they can get 
their podcast, but you're giving them the option to get the podcast wherever they listen to it. Because once they go to your website, the very first thing they should be seeing is your web player because they've clicked on the social media to listen to your podcast. So that's the number one thing that they want to do. So that should be the number one option for them to do once they go to your website. And then the number two option should be subscribe at Apple, follow at Spotify, follow at iHeartMedia, throw in all of those options around your web player so that they can make the decision what works best for them. And then inside your podcast, as you mentioned, split up those messages throughout your show, rotate them so they're not the same ones at the same spots in each and every show. So maybe the beginning of episode one, you say, go subscribe on Apple. And at the end of your show, you say, follow us on Spotify or wherever great podcasts are heard. And then the next episode, you switch it up. So Spotify's at the beginning and Apple's at the end. Just think about the way that you're delivering your messaging and understand that the number one message, if it's all by itself, is 100% likely that the audience will act on it. If you've got two messages, it drops to 65%. And if it's three messages, the number one message drops to 62%, but the number two and the number three message is 43 and 30%. And if you're getting 43 and 30% return of investment on your message, you ain't doing too well. Mm. And by the way, if you had a fourth message, they, they included the research as if you had four messages. The number one message is 43%. The number two message is 35. The number three is 27. And the fourth is 24. Uh, so you definitely do not want to have more than three. You probably don't even want to have more than one. The, the idea here is pick the one become really great at it so that it's undeniable when people hear your name they immediately think that and then you can add a second message well and, and you make a great point too you can even have different calls to action at different points in your podcast maybe there's something that you say right at the beginning of the show there's a different thing you ask right at the end you can even have a, a, a different one in the middle but putting those messages together is just going to mean that everybody hears part of each one of them and jumbles them all together oh he wants me to join his group on patreon and subscribe to the show on youtube what i don't know that's not what he said i don't i don't remember what he's never mind i'm not going to do any of those things now Jay, uh, I'm thankful for you, sir. Um, let's talk about our our thankfulness for podcasting here before we wrap up the show. What are you thankful for this year, Jay? Wow, Joel this this was uh, this was a tough year. Um, it, it's ending well, uh, which I'm obviously very thankful for. But uh, it was a rough one, and uh, there's a number of people that I'm extremely thankful for. Uh, I am very thankful to Jared Easley at Podcast Movement. He was extremely supportive uh, during this past year. Uh, he was very helpful uh, for a long period of time, and I will never be able to repay uh, what he did for me and my family. And for that, I am extremely thankful. I'm super thankful to Robert Flores, uh, whom to this day still texts me, uh, every now and then, hey, what's going on? What you doing? What you up to? You know, one day we'll find that project that we're going to be able to work on together again. Uh, we did work on a project uh, that he and his son put together called Almost Champions. Uh, and I really love um, what he did, his vision for that particular show, uh, the way that the story was told. It's a lot different than a typical sports podcast. I highly encourage you to go listen to it. He's not making any more right now, uh, but uh, there's always the possibility uh, that it that it, that it's an idea that can be risen again. Uh, I am extremely thankful to uh, a lot of different people. I'm obviously extremely thankful to my job. I'm extremely thankful to my family and my wife, who was very supportive during this whole thing. And I've saved the best for last, Joel. I'm obviously extremely thankful for you and for you bringing the show and for being my sounding board during this time. Uh, you sat there and you listened to, to a lot of my whining and crying and bitching, and uh, you didn't have to, that's for sure. 
So uh, I am extremely thankful for you and uh, the support that uh, that you that you've done, and and you've become a very close and meaningful friend to me. So uh, don't take that lightly. I'm not. I don't at all. That means the world to me, Jay. It seriously does. And and honestly, I'm uh, first of all, I'm incredibly thankful as well for my my family, my wife, and and my kids are wonderful, and and they are a treasure to me this year, especially. It has been um, really really good to have them as we've had incredible uh, health issues on all sides of our family. My dad and and Kelly's father especially, but Kelly even had a cancer scare this. Well, not a cancer scare. She had cancer this year. You know, beat, beat cancer early this year, and uh, is still currently uh, cancer free. We're thankful for that. She's going to continue her checkups, and and we think everything's going to be fine in the future. But thankful that that all went well. Um, thankful for you. Absolutely, though. I wanted to say that, too. You know, it's it's funny. I talked to Dave Jackson a few weeks ago. I was a guest on his show, and uh, he didn't even remember this, actually, but Always Listening had stalled completely. I hadn't done a show, an episode at all, I think, in like six months or something like that. Uh, Josh had basically retired from podcasting, and I wasn't sure what to do with the format. And Dave and I ran into each other, I think, at Podfest, and he was telling me, you know, I go to listen to your show and the last episode six months old and you're apologizing about not doing a show when you start that episode. And the episode before that, you apologize for not doing one very recently either. I was like, you're right. I got to, I'm a podcast producer. I do this for a living for other people. I got to, I got to figure it out and get off the, the pot, so to speak. And I did a handful of solo episodes. I, I came up with something and I started right then, but it was your call to me. You said, Hey man, um, I'm around and I got some time. <laughs> uh, maybe we could do this thing together. Um, that was what lit a fire under me. And here we are, we've done it every week since then. Um, and so I'm very, very thankful for that. You've revitalized the show. Absolutely. And your friendship means the world to me too, especially going back, you know, listening to you and, and Matt and Nate on ESPN a million years ago and, knowing now that like not only do i have your phone number but like i know your kids names like we talk about issues with our wives and our family problems and stuff like that that means the world to me too so the podcast industry is pretty cool folks and if you hang out and do good work and uh you're a decent human being it turns out you'll get to meet a lot of really nice people and a lot of them can become your genuine friends not just your your internet buddies so that's what i'm thankful for this year uh, I hope you are thankful this year for uh, for Thanksgiving and and for our industry as well. Don't get uh, don't get disappointed or, or discouraged by those big numbers seven hundred and fifty thousand shows or the top one percent gets eighty percent of the downloads. There's a lot of downloads in those twenty percent, and uh, you and I can get them, Jay. We can try. That's for sure. I won't stop trying. All right. Uh, tell everybody uh, where they can find you if they want to uh, maybe get your help to try. If you are a sports podcaster in particular, uh, I need to talk to you uh, as I am the executive producer at the Locked On Podcast Network. So you can reach me at podvader at lockedonpodcasts.com or on Twitter at therealpodvader. My DMs are open, so I am very easy to get in contact with. And you can find me, propodcastingservices.com. That's my website. You can find me on Twitter at The Rogues Life or podcasting underscore pro. That's my business account. Until next week, we have been your hosts. I'm Joel. I'm Jay. And as the good parent I am, I will attempt not to let my son teach his children that Baby Yoda is Baby Jesus. <laughs> and we are always listening. Always Listening is a proud member of the Two Guys and a Rogue Network. You can find all of our past episodes, including more than 100 podcast reviews, at alwayslisteningpod.com. In Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. For help on your podcast, visit propodcastingservices.com. Our theme song is Enough from Bethany Raven.
Two guys and a rogue. I'm one guy. I'm the other. And this is The Network.